0: Well, this evening, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And, um, you know, last week we were finished up a discussion, a three week journey, if you will, about Joseph and Jesus and the, the things that happened in Joseph's life that were mirrored in Jesus' life. And, um, well, something else that I want you to, to know also that. Not only is this our 10-year anniversary at Wellman, but actually this year is my 20-year anniversary of being in the ministry. So I I praise the Lord for that opportunity. It was in the early part of 2003 that the Lord called me as pastor to Bethel Baptist Church over in Boca I pastored there for six years and praised the Lord good years, and then the Lord took me elsewhere. I went over to a foreign country, which is Lawrence County, and I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the Lord led us over there, and we were there for three years. And um, in and out and around about and all those things, the Lord brought us to Wellman, and we praise the Lord for that. Um, in that process, whenever uh, part of my preaching and teaching type uh, personality, I guess you could say, the, the way that I like to preach and teach is I, I try to preach through books of the Bible. And uh, in, that, in the course of that, whenever I was doing that, um, uh, I would highlight in my contents on, in my Bible the, the, the books that I had taught through. So looking back at, at that time, I, I looked at the table of contents in my Bible this week and I, there's three three books that I have not preached or taught through, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. For whatever reason, both, both of those, I've not taught through those. And I said, well, why not? And so anyway, that's where we begin tonight. I'd like for us to begin a, a walk through 1st Thessalonians together. And the title of the message tonight is The foundation. So what I want to do is I want first of all I want, hold your finger there at First Thessalonians, but I also want you to go back to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, and what we're going to see there is Paul's uh, going to Thessalonica and his account there of what happened in the first nine verses of chapter 17 in the book of Acts. So the scripture tells us there, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as was his custom, went into them and for three Sabbath reasons, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the, whole, the world upside down have come here too. Jason was har- has, has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus." And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So this tells the story of Paul's coming to Thessalonica and the beginning of the church there, uh, him reasoning in the synagogue for three weeks, and, and many people there placing their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation. Now, in his first book, or his first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul is, uh, first of all, we've got to lay the foundation. Basically, the greeting is what we're going to look at this evening. Verses 1 through 5, in the first epistle of Paul to the Thessalonians. Paul Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his, ask his blessing on our time together in his word. Father, this evening as we bow before you, we thank you so much for your word that you have given us. So, Father, as we partake of it tonight, help it to nourish our souls. Help it to strengthen our spirits and our physical bodies. Help us to commit ourselves to you completely. And, Father, as we study through this epistle, I pray, Father, for your anointing. I pray for your, the Holy Spirit to enlighten us and teach us through it. You are an amazing and wonderful God, and we love you. Thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, Paul had gone and preached and taught, and and there was many people that were saved in Thessalonica. And uh, I needed to pray for clarity of speech tonight. Uh, Bridget watched our video this morning on uh, her phone, our, our, our service and she says you were having a tough time pronouncing or, or talking. And I said, yeah, I was stumbling a little bit. I'm, uh, I need to pray a little bit more about having clarity and, a, and being able to, to speak clearly. Uh, but uh, as Paul went to Thessalonica and started preaching and teaching there, he was, of course, sharing the gospel. And as he did so, many people were saved and the church was started. Now, he didn't get to stay long because the persecution arose, but those that were saved and were and stayed there bonded together and became a church. All right, so now as he writes to them, the first thing that he does is he gives them the pronouncement of grace and peace in, chapter, in verse 1. As is his tradition, Paul usually greets the church with this type of, uh, a greeting, he says, "Grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. That is an amazing. Th- you know how much, uh, how much wonder we have before the Lord. How much uh, do we owe Him? Because this world is far from gracious and peaceful, but we have that in Him, and that's what Paul says." He said he's asking for, he's praying for God to have grace and peace, and he's pronouncing this blessing over the church. And he says this in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for, for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, praying for the saints. First, Paul pronounced the grace and peace over the church, but then he tells them, I've been praying for you. And this was one of uh, a common occurrence of Paul's whenever he was writing. Probably at least half and more than half of the epistles that he wrote, he begins this way. He says, look, you're on my personal prayer list. And imagine Paul as every morning he rises, uh, as he begins to start praying, he's going back over the churches, that he's, uh, places that he's been, the people that he's known, and he's asking for God's blessings on them. That's what he was doing with all of the churches that he started. And then, you know, at the end of the books, he starts giving thanks there with uh, most of his letters for those who have spent time in the ministry with him or who helped out or who he remembered that was there at the church. He mentioned them a lot of them by name. So Paul spent a lot of time in prayer asking for God's grace and peace on the churches but also individually giving thanks for them. Prayers today are desperately needed. We need to pray for ourselves, pray for our church, that we be obedient, that God be honored and glorified, that we continue to walk with the Lord in the light so that darkness will not overcome us. We need to be praying for one another. That's what I see whenever we're here. We do that. But when we're not here, make sure that we are praying for one another. Pray for all the, 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 the arms of the church. We're, whatever ministry, whatever class, whatever it is that we are, we are doing, make sure that you mention individually in prayer those things because the Lord is listening and the Lord wants to be a blessing. He wants to... Uh, he wants to be good to His church and to His people, and He chooses to work through the prayers of His people. So pray. Pray diligently. Pray desperately. Pray as if your life depended on it, and pray that God blesses His church. When we do that, God blesses His church. And we saw that this morning, and we, we, we talked about that last night and in our, um, our Bible study, but also... How good is our God that He allows us to be a part of what He's doing? And we need to thank Him for it and pray for for the the continuation of it. Pray always for the saints. Now beginning in verse 3, Paul says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love. And I'm going to stop there for a minute because this, this whole section really is just one long sentence and that's how Paul kind of wrote things out. So you have to kind of stop in the middle of a sentence and and kind of break it apart a little bit. He says, first of all, we're giving thanks uh, to God for you, also remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love. These two things, first of all, what was their work of faith? Well, let me tell you what the only work of faith is, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Savior, and as our Lord. If you go back uh, to John chapter 6, Let me read that passage of Scripture to you. Verse 29, the words of Jesus. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He sent. So as Paul is talking about the labor of the work of faith, he's talking about their belief. Their, Their belief in Jesus Christ as the Savior Just as uh, Paul presented Jesus to them as the the Messiah, the Anointed One, the the, uh, Son of God, they believed that, and that is the only work, if you will, for our salvation. That is the only thing that we can do for salvation, is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no work, there is no job, there is nothing that we can do outside of our faith That will bring salvation to us. And then, our faith, of course, is a gift of God. We have the opportunity to believe when God offers us His salvation. So their work of faith was believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Savior and Lord of their lives. So Paul says, I remember without ceasing your work of faith. In other words, when I was there preaching to you, Paul says, when I was preaching, I remembered your response to the gospel, to the good news, to to what you heard. You responded according to the Holy Spirit and were saved. And then he says, your labor of love. So first of all, he's talking about the work of faith that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then their labor of love. You see, whenever Jesus takes over, he causes you to love because he is love. He causes you to love the work of the kingdom, the work of the ministry. He's speaking of the love that they gave Paul and the help that they gave him to protect him. Remember, whenever the, uh, the riot arose in Thessalonica, they, they whisked him off in the middle of the night to save him. They sent him on to Berea. So their labor of love was that they took care of Paul. And it's very likely that, as the churches were, they would take up offerings at times. It was very likely that they sent help, monetary help, to Paul throughout his ministry. So, when he speaks of their love and their labor, he's talking about how much they loved him and how much they labored for the Lord in helping him continue to preach the gospel. In Mark chapter 9 going to go over there real quick and, and give you this passage of scripture in verse 41 Jesus said this For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ assuredly I say to you he will by no means lose his reward Paul says look I remember what you did for me how much you loved me and, he's, and all of this is what he's saying. We're giving thanks for you, and we remember not only your work of faith, but your labor of love. Thanking God for them, but also remembering what they did for the ministry. Then going on in the rest of verse 3. And patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, Your election by God. So he first of all, he pronounced grace and peace on them. Then he says, I'm praying for the saints, and we remember what you did in love and labored, and I also know about the hope that you have. He said, I know about your patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Hope, the hope that he's talking about, the patience of hope. Hope is an unrealized reality. I read that one time and I wrote it down and I've tried to remember it ever since. That's what our hope is because the world thinks hope is like a a wish. You know, well, I, I wish that it turns out good. I hope it does. But no, see, our hope is based on reality. It's an unrealized reality. In other words, it's going to come to pass, but it hadn't come to pass yet, but it's solid rock. It is a foundational principle. It is a promise made by the rock who will deliver. I heard it explained one time like a will. If a will is written out and is legalized and signed, then it is an unrealized reality. The inheritance that is promised will come about, uh, but right now, it's just not time for it yet. So our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and Paul was saying that about the church. He says, I know the hope that you have in the one, and not only that, it is coming soon. Don't lose hope. But then he talks about election for just a minute. So let me, let me talk about that. That's a kind of a, a, a sticky subject when you talk about election, because there's a a certain section of the church that believes that we are elected. And um, anyway, I don't want to get into it too much, but I do want to read this to you to explain it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the Scripture says there, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. Now, my interpretation of that and what I have studied throughout the Bible leads me to this conclusion. God knows who's going to accept him as Lord and Savior. But he doesn't exclude anybody. He invites all to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but He knows who will and who won't. Now, Jesus died for all. There is no no, uh, limited atonement. In other words, Jesus didn't die just for the saved. He died for the whole world. He died for... To redeem all of mankind, but all of mankind will not come to him because of our stubborn, rebellious ways. But Paul says here, I know that God called you. And when you heard his call, you answered the call. So he talks about their election, the hope that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ who saved them. And then in verse 5, he said this, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. So I want to stop there, and I want to take those three things that he says: the gospel came to you not just in the preaching, but it came upon you in power. And let me tell you the truth here: when the Holy Spirit comes, when the power of God is shown. There is a transformation that takes place. And it's evident. It is noticeable. It is witnessable. So when the the power came in, Paul says, hey, I saw it happen. I witnessed it. I saw the change in you. I saw the transformation. Then he says, and the Holy Spirit, it it came in power and in the Holy Spirit. Now, in the New Testament times, sometimes the Holy Spirit came in And it was visibly evident as in on the day of Pentecost when the rushing mighty wind came in and tongues of fire sat on each one of the believers. Now Paul's probably not talking about that right there, but he says, I saw the evidence of the Holy Spirit moving into you and how He moved you and guided you and changed you and how that you followed His direction and you started living a godly life. And then he said, He witnessed the evidence, look at what he said, and in much assurance. The assurance of the salvation is a changed life. Whenever someone is saved, whenever they have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes them. And Paul says, I saw the proof of your salvation, and it assured me that your faith was genuine. Paul said, laying the foundation for the rest of his epistle, he pronounced grace and peace on the people. He says, I have been praying for you and will continue to pray for you, remembering your ministry, knowing of the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, and seeing the Lord working in you. Now, church, let me tell you, I ask for God's peace and grace over you all the time know that I'm praying for you because I am blessed to be a part of the ministry and working with you, knowing that the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing him work in you, what a blessing it is to pull in the same harness as Wellman Baptist Church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. God, you are so awesome and wonderful. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us and and shows us. Thank you for putting us together tonight in this worship service. Thank you for your spirit alive, uh, working in and through us, and and Father, help us to be guided, submitted to the Holy Spirit always. So thank you, Father, for what you've done tonight. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that needs to come before you in uh, repentance or for whatever reason, Father, I pray that you will draw them to yourself during our invitation time. Thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen.